previously on Willing to Adapt. On the continuum of nerd and geek, I, I believe there's a continuum. Did we start this podcast talking about <laughs> Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of we Nim? We did. <laughs> Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim examines issues of loyalty, independence, and courage, and debates the ultimate use of knowledge and science. The novel realistically shows both sides of issues and explores the strengths and weaknesses of the characters. I, I feel like you're kind of underestimating kids' intelligence, because I feel like I know a bunch of kids who would be who would say things like, Why can the shrew be all intelligent and, and the rats are intelligent, but only the rats can help Miss Frisbee? Like, they wouldn't say intelligent as a Eight, kid, nine, but... ten-year-olds? Kind of a simple way of looking at it is, is someone who loves the fantasy of Star Wars mm. is kind of a geek. Someone who's who tr- navigates more towards the analytical, the uh, the the data driven, the uh, maybe the political aspect would be a nerd of Star sure. Trek. And not to say that you can't overlap. Um, no, like- you can't. You're not allowed. <laughs> Eric Von Crumley. And I'm Romy Reyes. Have you ever wondered how a book becomes a movie? Or how a movie becomes a musical? Or how anything is adapted at all? Join us as we talk about your favorite stories and all the changes that were made along the way. But more importantly, why? This is Willing to Adapt. Alright, I need to be upfront. I am definitely biased because I watched the movie growing up. It's definitely nostalgic. I'm going to be coming to the table with that. Yeah, I think I think I think our listeners kind of figured that <laughs> when I figured that out. Already. Yes. So, The Secret of Nim was released in 1982 and it was directed by Don Bluth in his directorial debut. On Rotten Tomatoes, they say in one of their reviews I believe it is a dark well told tale that respects its young audience enough to not tone down its subject matter which is pretty spot on (laughs) because I have to say I think a lot of 80s movies especially kids 80s movies are kind of dark yeah no I agree like they they don't they don't shy away from the darkness although I would say a lot of 80s movies in general are just kind of dark non-Disney or Disney included? Well, for the 80s, I mean, the, that was literally the dark ages for Disney in the 80s. I mean, that's how we got this movie. Don, okay, I, we'll start yeah, there. Like, so, on September 13th, 1979, Don Bluth and fellow animators Gary Goldman and John Pomeroy and eight other animation staff members left the Disney feature animation department and they went to set up their own independent studio. And it's important to know that Don Bluth and these gentlemen worked for Disney for a while, and they worked on a lot of different movies, and some of them were under Walt Disney. But after the death of Walt Disney, the studio struggled for a long time. It really wasn't until The Great Mouse Detective and The Little Mermaid especially that Disney started to get back on track. So Don Bluth and these animators came from Disney, and they loved Disney's tradition of animation. They loved the old school animation and a lot of the effects that came out of it. Mm -hmm. But when Walt Disney died, a lot of that started to go away. The company didn't really know what to do with itself. And it seemed like Don Bluth and these men really tried to maintain those traditions. And the company was not interested. 
Yeah. It seemed like the company was trying to just survive mm-hmm. and was like, we need hits. We need hits now. Hence why they enter their dark ages. <laughs> yes. Um, and so it seems, I believe Don Bluth's last movie that he worked on with Disney was um, the Pete's Dragon. Yes, I read that. Yes. And I actually love Pete's Dragon. No, I do too. It's not a great movie. Like, I definitely like it because I grew up with it. Yeah. But I love the songs, and it's fun. It could be a better... The thing is, it could have been much better. Like, I wish that they would redo it and not the way they did it. (laughs) But um, we'll talk about that later. (laughs) But um, I think he was the... Wait, would you consider that an adaptation, the new movie? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Don Bluth was, I believe, the animation director for Pete's Dragon. Okay. And I remember actually freaking out about that one of the last times I watched Peach Dragon. Oh, really? I saw Don Bluth's name. I was like, that's Don Bluth! Because <laughs> I love Don Bluth's style. Mm. Don Bluth's style, I don't know, it's just so evocative. Yeah. When you watch his work, and granted, some of his movies are not very good, mm. especially in the early 90s. But even his not very good ones are interesting to watch. Yeah. At least once. No, I, I understand that. Because there's, there's a couple animators yeah. or. Yeah, not animators. There are producers of animated series that whenever we see, my daughter and I see their name pop up on something we enjoyed, we get excited about it. So I get that. Well, it's not, not even that. Don Bluth style, there's so much emotion in the faces of the characters. No, I, I do remember, because he did, what, Land Before Time? Yes. He did the Fievel movies. He did, he did the first American Tale. He only did the first one? No, this, yes. He and Steven Spielberg neither of them worked on the second one i do not know that yep. i don't think i ever saw the second one. i actually like the second one really i've never i don't think i've seen it yeah it's a different tone so it makes sense okay but i do like the second one uh, those are the only two three don bluth films i've watched you never saw anastasia no you've never seen anastasia i've never seen it we're gonna talk about anastasia later and then he did one of my other favorite movies titan ae you know what? I remember when it came out. It didn't do well. But I never saw it. I loved it. And it's so different from his other stuff. I wanted to see that one. He did Thumbelina. Never saw which that Which is not great, but it's still it's still worth a watch. Hmm. And it's fun because Jodie Benson is the main character's voice. Interesting. Yeah. So it's funny because she came off of Ariel Mermaid and <laughs> did that. Anyways, there's just something about his style I really appreciate. Yeah. There's... His, the movement of the characters is so fluid. It feels mm. real. And whereas you watch a lot of animation, especially today, mm-hmm. and it just feels rigid. It's computer, a lot of it. Yes. So. But but even even still, when you look at Don Bluth's style, there's just something about the way the characters move and mm-hmm. their facial expressions. Mm-hmm. And it is a little larger than life. And it's hard to describe over a podcast episode, yeah. but just go watch. Just watch anything. Look him up. He did before. I think before he did this, he he actually did the one really random animation scene in Xanadu. I've never seen that. It's so bad. It's good. Basically, <laughs> huh? <laughs> they they uh, there was a song for Xanadu they needed to use and from ELO mm-hmm. and it was they were contractually obligated to use it in the movie but they didn't and so they randomly decided to get don bluth and his team to just animate a segment to that song huh interesting yes and it's so random but it's great (laughs) 
Yep, there's there you go. I know I read somewhere that he I don't know if he did this for all his I don't know what this is, but um I know on the secret of Nim I read somewhere he did like experimental stuff too. Like a little something bit. called rotoscoping. Yes, but it, it, it was around. Like it had been used before, yeah, but yeah. it was also kind of neglected by Disney over time. Do you think there was something he? It was it something that. So the different things he used for that film was it, this was his first. This was his his first full length feature, and so he carried a lot of that over into his subsequent films. When he was still with Disney, he did a movie that I forgot the name of, and I've never seen it. But it's some. I think it's Banjo the something cat. But it was a short film, and I believe they did it. I know I, I saw that too. Somewhere. Yeah, they yeah. they did it while they were still with Disney, and they were hoping that Disney would release it or something, and Disney decided not to. Uh, okay. And then, what ended up happening was the film rights to the book were actually offered to Disney the year after its release, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting because that was that's fast. Yeah, but that is Hollywood, so Hollywood. I guess Hollywood moves fast, <laughs> and. Um, but Disney rejected it. They didn't want the rights. And later on, Don Bluth and his team actually got a hold of the book, and they were. Did you see, did you read why they said no? Yes. <laughs> do you do you want to share? Because they already had a mouse was one, and they had just done the, the rescuers, rescuers, and they didn't. Yeah, want and that's more when Don Bluth stuff. and his team came to Disney and said, "Let's make this," and they said, "Yeah, no." Yeah. And the Rescuers is a good movie. I like the Rescuers. Once again, another movie I've never seen. I'm shocked. People who who, if when, <laughs> some people know that I've, I I there's a I grew lot up in a very Disney family movie. though. I we did remember where did I grow up? I should say when did I grow up? I grew up at Disneyland. Yeah, I didn't. And so for mm-hmm. us, it was remember it was. I think I told you this before. If whatever my dad brought home, or what when. Later on, when we would go to the video rental, it was whatever my dad picked out. My dad was is my dad. Love my dad. Uh, he was he would choose for us what to watch. Uh, usually, um, he would usually go by himself and pick the stuff and bring oh. bring it home. No, for us it was totally a family thing. Yeah, we um, would go, and usually my parents would get one, and we would get one. Mm. I mean, obviously they wouldn't just let us randomly get whatever we wanted, but the other way we would watch movies. Uh, World of Disney, or the oh, I love World of Disney. Yeah, that was the other way we would get to watch movies was through there. And we had we had a bunch of VSA, VHS tapes, or if it was re-released in theaters. So I remember watching. I don't want to say I want to say Pinocchio in theaters, and I and I definitely was not around when it first came out. No, <laughs> so, you would be very old. Yes. So I remember watching that in theaters, and I remember another one at the drive-in theater. I, I want to say it was drivers. Snow White. My parents took us to go see because I vaguely remember my parent, my dad getting upset because like my Gremlins. sister had to go <laughs> and to the restroom, and we had to miss the move part of the movie, or he they did. Uh, so I remember watching those, the re-releases. But other than yeah, that, I feel like you cherished hard. movies more back then. We yeah, you did because especially once it was once it was gone, that was it. Unless you were rich and you like were able to get a, a hold of a, <laughs> yes. of a of a film of it. Yeah, until the VCR came out, and then I remember, like we you talked about, we would sit and you would record it so you could ha- watch it later on. So I have a lot of the old. Uh, remember when the Disney would put their cartoons into music videos? They would do like they would get a bunch of their cartoons and then they would make like mon like kind of mon kind of like a montage like type a thing. Along? Uh, no, because they were often contemporary hits or classics or. So I remember 
Lionel Richie songs and those type of things. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. And they would have one for like, what's that holiday with the hearts? Uh, Valentine's Day. <laughs> you know, yeah, or we, they would have we, other we random ones. We had a ones. couple of cassettes we could listen to in the car that had things like that. Mm-hmm. And so they would have, uh, you know, Stevie Wonder song playing in the back, in the other thing with I all saw these him different. Once. Really? Not at a concert. I was I went to go see Manhattan Transfer in Take Six uh-huh. at the Rose in Pasadena, and I have no idea what those who those are. They they're vocal jazz groups. <laughs> okay. They they're 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 big in the community. Okay. But I went to go see them. And I was probably the youngest one there, but. I was super excited because I grew up with... I only went for Manhattan Transfer. Like, mm-hmm. I knew who Take Six was, but I didn't really that care. That was uh, me at an Earth, Wind, and Fire concert in nice. Vegas. Nice. But I went to go see Manhattan Transfer, and I was so excited because I kind of grew up with them, my, with my dad and stuff. Mm. He would play stuff from them. And one of my, Chris, my favorite Christmas albums is by them. Anyways, we were at the concert, and I remember at one point they had actually pointed out a few people, like, really mentionable people mm-hmm. in the audience and they in throughout the night they ended up walking right by me oh wow and one of them was steve wonder <laughs> and that was interesting yeah but the other one i was more excited about was dick van dyke really actually yeah i probably would have been more excited yes. about that too. he's he's really old now <laughs> yeah he's very old now but he literally walked like two feet away from me Dang. right in front of me and I was so respectful. Like I didn't want to say anything to him. I didn't yeah. want to be that guy. I just wanted him to enjoy his night. And, yeah. But I was like, it's Dick Van Dyke. No, that's uh, yeah. I I get that. Because I'm this. I'm similar regarding like most celebrities. I could care less about most singers. I could care less about. I'm such but an ev- old old soul. No, if I like, for me, I mean, we've talked about this. But that's why you know concert tickets are cheap for us. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I think for me, I. I the last time I geeked out was when I met um, Ashley Eckstein. Who? <laughs> Ashley Eckstein. Who's that? The voice of um, a- Anakin's Padawan in Clone Wars. Oh, uh, Ahsoka. Ahsoka. Yes, her, her the voice actress. So uh, that was like I've I've met I've run into a couple sub- celebrities and I really didn't care. But when I remember when I met her, I was. Well, I mean, you can't see the face I'm making right now, I, but I did fanboy a little. I fanboyed very much. <laughs> I fanboyed a bit when I met Ryan Key, who was the lead singer of Yellow Card. And once again, another one I don't know. It's okay. They're they're good. <laughs> I like them, but um, they were kind of formative for my uh, hmm. my growing years. <laughs> for when I was like in middle school, high school. Seth Green was the other one I met. You know that song Ocean Avenue. Maybe if I heard it. I don't know names. And so, yeah, if I hear the music, I'm probably recognized. It, it doesn't matter. I fanboyed a bit. I was at one of their concerts, and I left. <laughs> when I left, he was walking out, and I was like, Ryan! <laughs> I was like, I just waved. <laughs> so after Disney had rejected Don Bluth and his team, and after they had become so disenchanted with Disney, and long story short, they left the company, and they, they weren't the only ones. I guess a lot of people were leaving Disney, and... They were unhappy with how the company was moving away from their values and traditions, so on. So what ended up happening was the production of The Secret of Nim lasted from January of 1980 to early June 1982. And the studio set out with the explicit goal in mind of returning feature animation to its what they call golden era 
concentrating on strong characters and story and experimenting with unusual and often more labor-intensive animation techniques. Bluth believed older techniques were being abandoned in favor of lower production costs, and the only way that animation could survive was to continue traditional production methods. And I think this is spectacular, Mm -hmm. because he still (laughs) put out this movie under cost, and far wow. less than what Disney was making at the, was putting into their movies at the time. Huh. And and it's still like beautiful to look at. Yeah, no. I did <clears throat> despite what I said yeah, even though I liked the book, the movie was for what for what it was, it was it was a really nice movie. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, so I think we should probably talk about some of the changes so the the listeners will understand. It was pretty much scene by scene from the book. Did you think <laughs> I can't. I can't get through that. First, it, it you know she had the cape on, and then she didn't. And she didn't. <laughs> so the focus was really more on the plight of Mrs. Brisby and her character the growth. Part, the part I cared least about in the book. <laughs> that was mm, the whole point of the, the part movie. I, I liked more. Yes. So this is what I found the most interesting, and we kind of briefly talked about it earlier. Uh, her name changed, yes, obviously, yeah. from Frisbee to Brisby mm-hmm. with a B. And if you think that Mrs. Frisbee sounds like a Frisbee disc, you would not be the first one. <laughs> so, so I guess what happened was the Frisbee disc was becoming very popular, and I don't know if it was around before the book or what, but clearly the book was fine. Yeah, but when the movie was coming out they had basically recorded all the dialogue already because the dialogue's made first. Yeah, I read that. And this is what I thought was interesting. I didn't know this until I researched it for the podcast. Mm-hmm. They they went in and they talked to the people at Frisbee, the toy company, and they tried to get the rights to to use the name in the movie without it being a trademark infringement. Yeah, I think there's a sign, like a waiver or something they had to yes. si- you have to sign or something and like that. And the company didn't want to. Yeah. They basically were like, yeah, no, you're not going to use the name. <laughs> and so they had to go in and they had to say, we can't use the name, we need to change the name. Mm-hmm. And so they changed it to Brisby. And this is what I think is cool. They had to manually, the sound technicians, had yeah. to go in and change the F sound to a B sound. Huh. And they just took other words that were said by the characters yeah. with Bs. And then they digitally, with technology of the time, mm-hmm. which is much more analog, they had to go in and put that B sound over all the Fs. I'm going to do that to the podcast. Which is pretty amazing. I'm going to change some of the words you said. <laughs> the deep fakes. <laughs> but if you watch the movie, you would never guess they did that. No, I because I, yeah, I... Like, even if you're listening for it, you don't notice. It it seems so normal the way when they say Brisby. I wonder how... Be, actually, I'm kind of curious now how they did it. Analog. How would that... What does that look like? Did they actually... I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I can only guess because it's so old school technology. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine that they take recordings and duplicate it and then probably like splice it in by hand tape it's something wow i mean it's not tape i'm sure but it was definitely it's not on computers for sure no no it's so much easier to do that now yeah but that's just done by hand basically 
And they came I mean, they had, cost. They had some technology. This was 82. Yeah. Well, probably 81-ish when they started. But still, like, rudimentary. Yeah. Which I think is pretty great. When you no, when you when I think about what they like, what they accomplished and the things they do, we kind we kind of forget about that today because we I don't know we don't always think about the technology that existed back then. Well, no, because we view history retrospectively. We look back from now. We mm-hmm. don't focus on how it progressed. Yes. So, I'm very happy. Before we go on to more changes, uh-huh. I was watching this movie and. I like to try to figure out why they do what they do. Mm-hmm. It's just something I like to do. In regards to the changes? Changes and things that don't make sense. Okay. Um, like things that are not explained very well in movies and things. This time around, did you read the book first and then rewatch the movie? Or did you watch the movie first? Yes. And then? So I, I read the book this okay. time around and then I rewatched the movie. Okay. Like I really tried not to think of the movie while reading the book, which was a little tough. Because it's the movie so ingrained because I, I grew up with it. The only thing that movie influenced me was the amulet. No, well, no, no, that didn't influence me. That was just like I never understood that part of the movie. I was always I always. But felt, I think that's the point. I think you're not supposed to understand it. No, well, I see when since I like a world building, I like to have background and more information on stuff. And the amulet was just there. And it's like okay, the shots, the the vaccines they got or whatever they were oh, i shouldn't say that word they're not vaccines uh i don't know <laughs> now they're gonna put a covid warning on our uh a covid warning <laughs> on oh my podcast. Gosh. the the injections they got they gave a magic they gave nicodemus magic powers but where the heck did the amulet come from okay um, i want i'm gonna talk about that okay and so in my mind i'm thinking that i don't it was just thrown in there with no background, no explanation, nothing. And yeah. it's like, okay, now there's magic in this world. What did you say before, Ian? I forgot. <laughs> it's really getting late. I, I don't remember. So but we, you and I were looking at the same research yeah. for this. No, but we, there was something I was going to say beforehand. Um, oh, no, no. I was just going to say before we move on to that, to any, the other stuff is, so when when reading the, in the, reading the book, the only thing that really stuck in my mind that I couldn't get away from from the book, I mean, from the movie, was Dom DeLuise's voice. <laughs> that was the only thing that really stuck out from the movie. You know what's funny is, yes, I, I, I kept thinking... But I could move away from it. See, I, I would but read because, Jeremy and I would hear his voice. So Dom DeLuise plays Jeremy in the movie. Yes. Jeremy is the crow. Mm-hmm. And yes, his voice is very signature. It's very obviously Dom DeLuise. I, you know what's funny is when I was reading the book, the when I first, every time he would start to talk, mm-hmm. especially in the beginning, later on it didn't matter. When he, we first introduced his character, I did hear his voice in my head. But he his dialogue is very different in the book than in the movie it is it is yeah and that's because dom DeLuise brought a lot of himself into the character which i think was a actually a criticism of the movie well film. one person criticized it probably siskel wasn't it or i Ebert, don't know one of them actually they, they can't get was, everything it was right one of them that, that i remember criticized him just because they're a like critic that. doesn't mean they're correct <laughs> no I, I see i grew up for those who don't know who dom DeLuise, he is he he passed yeah, I think so. A yeah. long time, while ago, so he was a comedian. His son's still around though. From the seventies, eighties, nineties, he didn't do as much during the. I don't think during the nineties. I don't remember. But he's in a ton of Don Bluth movies. Yes, and he also he he did he was just a comedian who was in a lot of movies during those those that era, and so I grew up with, you know, with Don DeLuise uh, as a comedian and and 
knowing who he was in movies. He's a so he's very tiger in American Tale. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I always I always liked. Well, I I remember, and this was not research for this. It was something I had found in passing years ago. I had heard somewhere that they lengthened Jeremy's role in the movie mm-hmm. because Dom DeLuise was so funny. No, and, I wouldn't surprise because they were just like, we need more of this. I've, I've actually, I know of at least one show where he was in where they have like three hours of outtakes. I'm and, sure. Of just him. I think it was, I think it was well, Burt think Reynolds. Well, think about all the outtakes with Robin Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Just all the stuff he would say. You just have to keep the camera on. <laughs> you just don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> no. And that's, that's what's, was cool about a lot of these comedians back then. <laughs> it just kept coming. Yep. So I'm going to, the Wikipedia article that you and I both looked at separately. <laughs> the 14 page one. Yes. It was a good one though. Their sources was, are pretty good. Yeah. Um, they say that Bluth himself would later make several changes to the story because the story went under the story the script went under many changes before they finalized it and Bluth himself most notably with the addition of mystical elements not present in the original novel he explained in quote regarding magic we really believe that animation calls for some magic to give it a special fantastic quality this was most apparent in the magic amulet given to Mrs. Brisby, which was meant to be a visual representation of her character's internal power, something harder to show on film. The object was also meant to introduce a spiritual aspect to the plot, with the director remarking, the stone or amulet is just a method of letting the audience know that Mrs. Brisby has found courage of the heart. Magic? Maybe. Spiritual? Yes. In the same vein, Nicodemus was made into a wizard, I I wouldn't call him a wizard, but a wizard to create (laughs) more mystery about himself and the rat's colony. The antagonist, Jenner, was given much more prominence in the movie, being only mentioned as a traitor who leaves in the book, to add drama to the narrative by giving it a more visible enemy. Justin, who we mentioned as the captain of the guard in the book, He also now succeeds Nicodemus as the leader of the rats to give his character more of an arc and allow him an opportunity to grow and change. Unlike the original work, Justin does not rescue Mrs. Brisby from the cage at the Fitzgibbons house, and she now helps her children without the rats' assistance by using the amulet once again, giving focus to her personal story. As Bluth put it, The Secret of Nim is really a story about Mrs. Brisby and her need to save her children. If the rat save her children, then she hasn't grown in the film. Yeah, so the movie makes it, does what you wanted from the book. Yes. 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 Like, you do get the rat story. It's just the focus is not as much on the rats. And I think at, because I watched the rewatched the animated film first and then read the book, I got my world building that I <laughs> would have liked in the movie. Because in the movie, it was just like, oh... It just feels like it's so pigeonholed in the book to me. I know you. Yes. We've discussed that. (laughs) I feel like in the movie, they give you just enough that you need. Like, you don't need to know that it took them six days to go to escape their their cage. And and they went and did this. That's where we agree to disagree. (laughs) Because I I like that. I like hearing the rest of the story. I don't know. I like... And again, I grew up with the movie. And Mm. I mean, you did too, but... Growing up with the movie, I loved the mysterious elements of the movie. I loved that I wasn't told everything. 
it, See, it gave me something in my imagination to piece together. For me, there was mysteriousness in the book too. But not a, but no, not as much. It was mysterious that was more realistic versus <gasps> magic amulet. Yeah, Ooh. but you see, what I appreciate when... The way I look at the movie, though, is the the way that they differentiate between the rats and their intelligence mm-hmm. and other animals, to me, is how they differentiate that with the mystical elements. It's almost as if they've become so intelligent, they've like aspired to something else. And it's but something just Nicodemus, that, though. The rest of them were the, were the same. Yeah, but it also kind of hints that they're capable of it. Because obviously, like... not I See, I don't get that, because in, in the in the movie they're all essentially medieval rats so they've entered the medieval period of their development but nicodemus is the random uh merlin figure that you don't understand first off why is he aged that that, that's i think they just wanted wanted to make him wise no i know why they did it but it's it's to me it was it was a unreal it was a fantastical inconsistency but his character was boring in the book to me, he was just a regular leader. But, like, all the rats in the books, like, all felt the same to me. The thing I like about the movie is it differentiates and they have some character. It was necessary for an animated feature. I will... But even in the book, it was, like, which rat is talking now? Oh, wait, it's not this one. Okay. No, I felt there was a difference in listening between them. They, I think they... they, they the author... I just felt like they all talked the same. They felt flat to me. No, when I heard, when I would read Justin versus Nicodemus, there was a difference. I, I will say yes, from, from Arthur and all the... There was, I don't know how many others spoke. Uh, Isabella, which was a young kid you meet. And see, there was also that aspect. I think, I, I think what I also liked is I, you, you got to see in the book the, the development of their culture. And so you see that there, you hear how many there are. In the movie, it was really, it's like, I, okay, is there 20? Is there 10? Is there five? I, I would argue that in the movie, you see more of the development of their culture. But you see it in real time. Whereas in the book, it, it happened in the past. And you're just flashbacking. But it, and it, was, but it was more... Uh, you no, know, yeah, you because you know, when she's walking through, they explain some of the things. And it, it's... It's almost comparable to what human technology is. If you want to be on the nose, you you pointed out that they're because their their medieval period clothing styles and stuff. That you you were saying that it's almost as if they're in the medieval period for their time. If you're going to go down that route, which you can, then I would say that you're watching them develop as a society into something more. Like they're moving into this period of Renaissance where they're going to create something new. And I think you see that in the movie. I think you can see they're on the cusp of something. And when you get characters like Jenner like pushing against it, that's when you get to see a lot of the conflict. And it's interesting because it's stuff that happened in the book, but it's not really touched upon. Hmm. I don't. I don't. I just didn't get that in the movie. I didn't get. To me, Nicodemus was so such an outlier from everything else that it was just. It, once again, it was. It was almost like King Arthur. You have the regular. I think it does boil down to it was an artistic choice. Yeah, it was, it was. I just, I just, didn't, I, I, I personally did not see that, get that feel in the, in the anime. But I think oh, it also was they wanted to show that he was the leader of the rats. Yeah, because yeah. in the book he is the leader of the rats, but he just doesn't feel like it. Like he has his own room and he technically leads them, mm-hmm. but he just didn't feel that different. 
So you wanted a, hmm. Yeah, I don't. I, he just didn't feel like a leader in the book to me. Like, I, saw I think it's because the book was a, so cooperative, I guess. Yeah, and that's kind of how I saw it. I saw more as like a, a standard. But even, even they kept saying he's the leader of the rats, but then other rats would make these decisions. And it's like, wait, is he not the leader of the rats? Is he not leading them? But it goes back to the cooperativeness of it. I'm just saying he felt more like a leader in the movie. <laughs> no, I agree. I do agree in regards to the characterization. Yes. And here's something that I didn't find in research um, that I've seen people talk about, uh-huh. which is very interesting. Um, the, the the major thing about it that I find interesting is the similarities between Nicodemus and the great owl. In the book? In the movie. Th- in the movie. Yeah. In the movie, obviously, they both have these glowing yellow eyes. But then if you look, they also have... Nicodemus has this really long mustache. Yeah. But the Great Owl also has something similar. I vaguely remember that. They look similar. And there's just something about it. Like, it ties them together somehow, but it doesn't explain it. And it was very interesting to me because I want to know why. But the thing I like about the movie is it doesn't give you all the answers. It makes you figure it out yourself, and if you can't figure it out, it's fine. Not for me. <laughs> I actually found that as one of the more frustrating parts. I wanted to know what is the, what was the whole point of the owl. But I feel like you're looking at it as if you're one of these these characters, like these animals who have not been enlightened. Does that make sense? You just called me dumb? Is that what you just said? No, because <laughs> in the movie, it differentiates the, char- wait, wait, the animals. I'm looking at it from... You're looking at it from the point of view of, of one of the animals oh, who has not... the viewer, so you just... Yes. The viewer is looking at it at You're giving me view. a hard time for no reason. <laughs> As a regular animal, is that what you're saying? So we're following Mrs. Brisby. So, yeah, no, I get it. She you're, is not the point one of, view of the animals of the, the point is... of view of the, the, the movie is is we're, we're taking it from Mrs. Brisby's perspective, yes. not from the rat's perspective. And, and in the book, you are technically getting it from Mrs. Brisby's perspective. Mm-hmm. For the whole time. Even when you're getting the rat story, it is being told to her. Yeah. So I would argue in the movie, you're watching it from her perspective. And so she is not going to understand things the way the rats do. Okay. And she's not going to be able to piece together things the rats can piece together. Yeah. And so on. And so I like that because you are seeing it and you're understanding there is more to this world than you can understand. Like, there is more out there than you can comprehend, and that is okay. Okay. See, and I think, once again, this this is where me, my personal way of looking at life clashes. Because I'm someone who, I, I, do, I do understand that, and I, I'm, I'm okay with it. The idea of not being able to understand everything. In fact, I've even preached that to a couple, uh, a couple of friends who are, are more... Uh, uh, analytical and in, in like the intellectual uh, debates and stuff where they have to have an understanding. And so I get that, especially as, as a, as a Christian, you know, knowing that there's just things I'm not going to understand things, whether it's about God, whether it's about just the complexities of the world, whether it's about, uh, you know, philosophical, whether it's whatever. But when it comes to societal things, nine times out of 10, I can make sense of everything. And so the more data I have, the more information that I know is available. See, I think that there's a difference between data that's 
currently unavailable or potentially, you know, in my lifetime unavailable, and I can let that go. But if it's information and data that I know is available, so in this case, I would, if the writers had a, you know, how they write their Bibles ahead of time of, of the story and they outline the world in some TV shows and things like that, they usually call them the, the show's Bible. Um, they don't all do that. They, oh, some do, I know. So, uh, some of them make the Bible as they go. Yeah, no, some do. You're I know right. The Office did that. Uh, but like but like Star Trek and Star Wars, they kind of... The, well, the yeah, the really intensive... Yeah, like, The Lord of the Rings. You need to keep track of... So that's that's where I'm... I like... The nerd in me likes that. The nerd in me wants to know why. What was the understanding? And so for... When I come across things like this, there's that nagging feeling of what the heck was that and what was the point of that? But maybe that's the point of it. Like maybe it's it's to get you to think that way, because I feel like the movie focuses more on the philosophical arguments of the book. Explain that. Well, because in the book, you know, they they're they have these arguments of you know, is it okay? Like, how do we have a society, and is it okay to steal? And see, I felt the the movie just glossed over that, and didn't even address that very much. It was kind of throwaway lines. Well, the whole I just point feel like was more her saving her cinder block. I mean, that is more of the point. Yes, yeah. but. There's there were philosophical arguments in the book, mm-hmm. and I think they just took those and expanded on them. Like I think, don't, don't, I don't give me that. I look. don't see how. <laughs> show me, show me, show me the lines. <laughs> Let's pull the movie up now. All right, our listeners are going to listen to it with us as we watch the movie. No, I mean, kidding. there were definitely we changes that were made that I think were made just to make it more interesting. Yes, yes. Um, and obviously, the first one is Jenner, mm-hmm. and. I'm okay with that. I am too. No, I I I appreciated the movie for what it what, for what it is. I liked seeing the rats but, challenged in real time. Okay, yeah, and 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 like and I see the whole like the whole cinder block thing made a lot more sense, you know, versus just having Mrs. Shrew uh, get upset or right. whatever her name was. And it was a lot more of a anti Shrew situation. One of the changes. Yes. The movie, the thing I really appreciate about the movie is it added a lot more conflict and obstacles. For for the type of medium that it was, the changes made sense. And it was perfect. And it, it did work. It did yeah. work. And I think it did a lot better to keep you focused on the conflict. Whereas in the book, it's like, oh, this is a conflict, but we're not going to worry about it. And see, this is where my where it goes back to what I talked about earlier where I I separate so I separate my my own desires and my own wants for what I'm watching and the story that's going on and I can appreciate the movie for what it is even though I think we kind of can figure out where my favorite of the two is leaning towards but let's also be honest whereas the book is interesting and I think it opens up the door to conversations and mm-hmm. stuff if you made a direct adaptation of this, it would oh, not no. be interesting I, to I watch. I agree. I agree. No, I fully agree with that. It would not make a good movie if you did it a direct uh, adaptation. So this is one of those times I'm actually very okay with changes being made to something to make it more interesting. And if only because it does add conflict. Yes. I, I have to agree with you on that, on that as well. Because I... I I probably would have gotten bored watching this as a documentary. I mean, well, it would have been a documentary, essentially. It literally would have been, would have been a documentary. Yeah. I think we've already established this book is very scientific. Yes, and so and it's they're two very different... Um, oh, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> so I, I touched upon it, and it's very difficult to articulate this because they're so 
lofty concepts. Mm-hmm. In the book, they're trying to explain the differences between the animals. The rats are much more quote unquote enlightened because mm-hmm. they've been experimented on, so they can understand these these crazier concepts that that humans can understand. Mm-hmm. And this is what I was gonna say. In the book, they actually say at one point they think they are now stronger. They're more smarter than humans. They can understand things humans cannot understand. Yes. I think Bluth ran with that. And that's the magical piece? Yes. I think they get a lot of the mystical elements from that. Or mystical, yeah. Yes. And so I think I think he took that idea okay. of we can understand things humans can't understand and now we can like move things without touching them and things mm-hmm. like that. So how but it's never explained how that power is given to how and see this is where I think for me it kind of falls apart a little bit in the amulet and then Mrs. Frisbee having a similar power even though she was never at Nim. Well, I think because it's just a MacGuffin. Like it I think is, the yes. fact that it the amulet itself is not important, it's what is done with it. And I don't always like MacGuffins, but yes. <laughs> but I think it's because it represents like her courage and her it did. her will. Yeah. Like I think it's because it's that. And and since I like the story of the rats, to me that takes away from the whole point of what made them But because the movie itself shifted focus yeah. more to her, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think... I would actually argue, even though it does shift away from the rats, it does focus on them more throughout. Whereas in the book, you, you know they exist, yeah. but only when she goes to visit them do you get to know about them. In the movie, it automatically opens with Nicodemus. It does, and I... I, I that's where I go back to what I kind of was saying before as to where, honestly, the only one that even seemed different in the movie was Nicodemus. The rest of them were just rats in the medieval era where they were really, outside of the seeing their, seeing visually the culture, their clothes, their uh, lair under the rose bush, and, you know, the, the stuff they used to move her house around, there was... Whereas the book talks about the intelligence, it talks about them reading, it talks about... Um, I feel like the movie, it shows the practical side of that knowledge. And Well, you know what, even even the, one of the things missing in the movie is they, they never, there's no, it's all medieval technology. They never talk about their use of machines from the tinker, the no, toy tinker. No, but you do see them like using like winches and pulleys and... Uh, medieval machines but not oh, what I, contemporary what i did like though is in the book they randomly talk about oh we're in an elevator now mm-hmm. and like they're in an elevator yeah but in the movie it's really interesting because they make an elevator out of like a lantern and things and it goes under yeah but then it's waterproof and they go underwater and I, uh, that was different <laughs> yeah but it i think it, it was, just shows it that they visual. have the knowledge to do it Yes, there was that. It, it shows it through that. I think I, I it's don't, not heavy-handed on, this is why we're intelligent. I just felt that they weren't very special in the animated feature. But I think because you've seen... Except Nicodemus. I think because you've seen... Merlin. You've seen all the other animals living in hovels and holes and things. Yeah, it was And now it was you're seeing them that utilizing way, these it. things to create elevators and all these other things like now you can see oh this is different for me all i'm saying is and for me the book did a better job of showing the advancement than the animated feature did for me sure i think (laughs) i think the movie utilizes the mystical elements to really cue you into something more is going on than you realize 
No, I, I agree. I do agree. I just that was I. I just didn't like. I that think at as the much. end of the day, we are going to agree to disagree on this one. <laughs> yes, I think this are. is the first time we've actually really disagreed. <laughs> yes, it is so much on one thing, <laughs> and I think we do come to the table with very different mindsets. Which and again, good. I think if I was a kid and I loved the book, uh-huh. and then I watched the movie, I might be more on the same page as you. Mm-hmm. But because I did grow up with the movie and then read the book, yeah, it is a little different. Mm-hmm. But knowing the storyteller in me, I love the movie. Yeah. But I do really want to figure out what the heck is going on. Like why why are why are Nicodemus and the Great Owl like very similar? Uh and I think it's I think part of it is because they're both these really wise characters and you didn't come across anything in research about No. Mm. No. And I think Don Bluth purposefully left things as an enigma mm-hmm. in the movie, I think he he did that on purpose. Wild conjecture, conjecture about but this. I, maybe but it, the thing, it's, but I I will go back. I like that he did that. Yeah, I don't I, want everything spilled out for me. I mean, but I I I think in my mind, what I I kind of saw was that there is a type of magic that exists in nature. And whatever was done to the rats brought it even further out in Nicodemus. You're one of those guys that loves the prequels to Star Wars, aren't you? I do really. I do. Okay. I <laughs> I do like the prequels. I can't say I like them better than the original three. I do trilogy, appreciate the prequels. But I, I, I do watch them over again. Because that's regularly. part of the issue people have with the prequels is that it just spells everything out for you. It's the just, world building. Yes. <laughs> yes. And a lot of people were like, we don't need all this. <laughs> no, and it's I, too much. I get that for some people. And that's and that's cool for if that's where you're at. You know, um, I, but, I like that. But I think also because the movie is so visual, mm-hmm. you don't need to focus so much on the world building because it's in front of you. Mm. Even though they, yes, they don't tell as much of the rat story as they do. Mm-hmm. So... Um, but uh, just to kind of clarify, though, for um, my position, though, is that I don't I'm not saying I need to have everything spelled out or I need to have all the answers, because the if you do read the book, if he's he is very the author is very there's a lot of unknowns and he leaves them unknowns. And in fact, I, we even we didn't even talk about the, <clears throat> I don't know if you're going to talk about the difference with the Justin potential difference with Justin in the book. Oh, we're going to talk about more changes for sure. Okay, so... There's a lot more. There's a lot of ambiguity in the end, and it bugged me. It really did. But I, I was able to accept it because... It, that's one of the me, few times I actually really liked the book. No, and I did too. <laughs> and that's actually what I appreciated was the ambiguity was the real... It's it's the type of ambiguity you get in real life. And even though I would love to have the answers, I'm okay not having the answers in the book. And that's kind of what the book says at the end? Yes. The book says, I don't know if they made it to Thorn Valley. I don't know. Maybe we'll visit them. Maybe we won't. I don't know if Justin's alive. And and it's like, we'll have to be okay with not knowing. And and, and even with Star Wars, going back to that one, I was okay not having prequels or sequels back in the day. I loved it when they finally came. Well, the prequels at least. And so... I like the new ones. If he would have wrote the new Star Wars? Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. I don't know how we're friends. Anyway. We'll have it, conversations. <laughs> you know, I, I appreciate them for what they are. Because I've seen sure them. I was able to watch them through my daughter's eyes. Don't lie to me. So I, I, I do appreciate more than most fans do. But I can also let them go if I need but to. But are they really fans if they don't like it? Of the original stuff? Think Pe- about it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I would have loved for him to have written a sequel. But I'm okay that he didn't. Wait for for 
Oh, Robert O'Brien. So he didn't. He didn't. But when after he had died, I actually don't want to read what his was it his daughter. Yeah, his daughter wrote two more books. Yeah, I'm okay never reading them. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. I didn't bother to research those at all. Yeah, I I, I didn't care to. I'm cool ending it where it's at. So I, you know, I want to clarify that I don't have to have answers for everything. But I, it's I it's don't think more... he wanted to continue it though too. I will never know, unfortunately. But with the, for some reason, the the way they did it in the in the animated feature, those were type of things that to me were just inconsistent with my view of the story, my my in my head. <clears throat> to where I I don't need answers. I'm cool with the movie the way it is. But there was that nagging feeling. Whereas with the book, I'm okay letting it go. But also in the movie, you you don't know if they made it to Thorn Valley. Like she says, they went to Thorn Valley. Well, the sequel says they did. <laughs> I, I I grew up with the sequel. We shall not talk about it. It's it's what not. You really want the thing, to. the thing is, it's yeah. We won't talk about it. I I have um, I have nostalgia for the movie, but it's not a good movie. <laughs> so it's one of those things. It was where not it's like, Don Bluth, I assume. No. Yeah. No. It's like I would watch it again, but it is also not very good. <laughs> but it's fine. Yeah. Anyways, so. They definitely make Nicodemus much more magical, but I do really like how they they will intermittently focus on the rats mm-hmm. throughout the movie. In the beginning, it opens with Nicodemus, and it opens the the night that Jonathan Brisby, Mrs. Brisby's husband, died. Yeah, and so you know that he's dead, and you know that he left wife and kids. Mm-hmm. And so automatically you have sympathy for her and the kids and you're you're interested in what's going to happen. But then you also know there is something going on because he's writing in this book, but it's magical and there's this amulet and you know that it's reserved for her until she needs it. But mm. yeah. And so it does foreshadow that like once she needs it, she will use it sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then later on, there's that part where in the book... You hear that the people from Nim are going to come when Mrs. Brisby, or Mrs. Frisby in the book, mm-hmm. is in the birdcage watching them all eat dinner, and they randomly, like, like plot dump <laughs> at the dinner table. They're just like, oh, I had a phone call today from these people at Nim. What's that? Oh, that's the National Institute of Mental Health. <laughs> and then they're just like, they're gonna, they want to come tomorrow. Oh, do they? Like it was so. Well, that's similar to what happened in the animated feature. But in the movie, you you see the rats coming out of the attic with the electrical cord. Yeah. And then they go by the window where you hear Mrs. Fitzgibbon talking to her husband about how Nim called, asking about how the rats are behaving on the farm. Oh, that's right. And then the rats go, and you know they're doing something, but you don't know what they're doing. Yeah. And then later in the movie, when she's in the cage, he's woke. Mr. Fitzgibbon, the farmer, is woken up to a phone call where you hear him basically confirming to Nim a conversation you never heard before mm-hmm. that, yeah, you can come tomorrow, you can bulldoze that rose bush. I want those rats out of there. And so now she realizes, oh, Nim is coming. Yeah. And it wasn't so forced, mm. it felt more, more um, realistic to me. And, and now you're on a timeline again. Hmm. But if you're going back to her character development, it also it also tied up very well with adding the conflict to the story. Yeah. Because earlier in the movie, 
they introduced the shrew as anti-shrew early on and her characters definitely expanded upon <laughs> yeah which i really liked i liked that they expanded on her character i thought she was interesting no, it, it, she it shows that she she's annoying, which is not in the book. She's not. She was shrewish in the book. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so in, she is helpful in her own way. She is, um, and she's funny for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing about the movie as well is all the characters are more well rounded. Yes, yes. In the book, they're they're kind of flat. They're kind of like, oh, you know, we're sad. Now we're happy. Now we're sad. In the book, they have in the movie they have more characterization. Yeah. Which I appreciated. They felt they felt more like people, and so the character of the shrew in the movie, mm-hmm. she comes into play more often. And instead of saying, instead of hearing from the farmer really randomly, oh, we'll we'll probably plow this in about five days once we get the tractor fixed. In the movie, you you wake you know moving day's coming, but you don't know when it is. And then she Mrs. Brisby wakes up and. The shrew and her hear the, the plow starting. Yeah, and so they're trying to warn all the animals to leave. It's moving day. You need to get out now. And it's this yeah. really tense moment, where no, you get a yeah. foreshadow of what will happen if they can't move. But that was part of the artistic differences. I, you know, they had to add more but, tense moments but in the film. You see, it never. I never felt that tense in the book. I never really no got that sense of urgency in the book the book never felt urgent to me i didn't miss it in the book it, it wasn't to me it was but i i appreciated it i felt like it 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 amped up the stakes and it it made it more interesting but it also helped with her character development because she needs to stop the plow yeah and so she tries to but she can't and then the shrew is able to stop the plow and then so that's when the shrew not jeremy in the movie tells her to go to the great owl and that's right it was her wasn't yes. it i forgot about that one and um it, she mrs brisby goes from not being able to save her family she gets too scared she can't do it to calling upon her own inner strength to save yeah. her kids and, and yeah and this goes back to our why you like her better <laughs> to me it was it was cool with the movie but it was Eh, I didn't care. And I think part of the reason why I was focused more on her character in the book is because of the movie. Yeah. Focusing on it. I will say that. But again, in the in the movie, it takes that moment where Mrs. Brisby meets Jeremy for the first time. Mm-hmm. And it does add more conflict and stuff with the cat. Yeah. And you get to see this cat is actually dangerous. Mm-hmm. Like It will rip you apart. It is a monster, essentially. In the book, you 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 hear about how bad the cat is, but you never see anything, so you never really think it's that bad. Especially because the few times you see it, it's been drugged. See, I well, I automatically just take for granted that the cat's dangerous because in my mind, a cat, mice, it was it was there to begin with, so I didn't need to have it. I felt like for me, I didn't need to have it hyped up in order for me to see it and believe it but i just felt like the danger didn't feel real in the book because it did not have the dramaticness in it i mean it is dramatic in the movie yeah see to me the danger was real just with the knowledge i didn't need to actually have to feel the tension to make it mm. i disagree i i no i i i know we do and it's i think for me it's it's i'm able to seeing it for i mean the book was fine but I think it would have been more compelling. Perhaps. Perhaps. Yeah. 
I mean, and it didn't I, have to be like in the movie. It didn't have yeah. to be as dramatic. No, I, I can see that. I can see that. Uh, I, 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 I know. Like going back to how we were saying before, had they translated it the same way into the movie, it wouldn't have worked as well. No. Yeah, and I, but I, I, yeah, I did appreciate. There were many scenes where some of the dialogue was completely lifted from the book. Mm-hmm. I did like that. Mm-hmm. That was fun. I was like, I was, I just read that. <laughs> yeah. What were some of the other? Because I know that there was. So there was that. There was definitely. So Mister Ages in the book is very nice. In the movie, he's cantankerous. He's, yes, he's very cantankerous. <laughs> he's busy. You you know something's going on with him. Whereas in the book, it was it just felt like, oh yeah, he he's one of us. Mm-hmm. In the movie, it's like there's something going on with him, but what is it? And then when you realize he's working with the rats, you're like, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. I just feel like there was more characterization. He he doesn't come off as mean. He just comes off as very blunt and I'm a busy man, but I will help you out real quick and now mm-hmm. you can go. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I liked that. And it was also played, I think, by, what's his name? Arthur Mallet? I have it right here. Yeah. Arthur Mallet. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I only know because I've seen the name in all the research so many times. <laughs> Arthur Mallet, he was... He's played a lot of characters. I have to look at... I have to pull up the... He was um, in Hook. He was Toodles. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know him. I know Jer- Derek Jacoby. Yep. He played... I know He, he played Nicodemus. He was uh, the master in one of the Doctor Whos. He's a big <laughs> Shakespearean actor, too. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I've seen... Uh, He's been in a few Kenneth Branagh movies. John Carradine, Great Owl. Who was he? Great Owl? No, but who was he? What else has he done? Um, I don't. I can't tell you off the top of my head right now. But That's I know okay. I, I. He's in a, a lot of American. See, stuff. Elizabeth Hartman did a great job as Mrs. Brisby. Her yes. vocal performance was superb. No, I really enjoyed the actors they chose for this. They did a good job, even with Dom DeLuise, who was just Dom DeLuise. <laughs> I think he brought something <laughs> he to the character. Like his. The thing is, his scenes mm-hmm. never felt random. Mm. They. It would definitely comedic relief to the story that was needed because the Don Bluth movie was definitely darker from the source material. Yeah. And I feel like expanding on Jeremy with Dom DeLuise mm-hmm. really worked in their favor as comedic relief to the story. No, it did. I but agree. it also showed how Mrs. Brisby reacts to him and how that changes, mm-hmm. which shows her character growth as well. Yeah. I'm looking up John Carradine because I know. Here. So he was basically a uh, an actor. A member I would of, assume he's of, an actor. He was a member of Cecil B. DeMille's stock company and later John Ford's really? company. Yeah. Best known for his roles in horror films, westerns, and Shakespearean theater. In later decades of his career, he starred mostly in low-budget B-movies. Probably also know his son, David Carradine. He had a good voice, though. It worked very well for The Great Owl. We did. And I, that's why I can't remember anything he was in. David Carradine, you might... I don't know if you were... I, he was in, you know, his son. He looks familiar. I I remember him in Kung Fu. This is riveting for, I know. for people. Does he look familiar? Yeah, he looks familiar. I'm trying to think what else I've seen him in. I know he's been in a lot of other stuff. So before we move on to some of the other changes, what, what did you think was the similarities between Nicodemus and the Great Owl 
I know in the book they don't call him the great owl. He's just the owl. Yeah. He's just a normal owl. Yeah. And he's just occasionally helpful when he wants to be. But in, in the movie, they made him much more mysterious. Like, you went to the great owl? Yeah. Like, and you're alive? And, you know, stuff like that. There was kind of a line in the book about that, too. But also just because I, I, he's I an know. owl and he eats mice. But. <laughs> yeah. So what did I think about the similarities? Yeah. What was going on? Well, I mean, I, I think I mentioned it before where it was it was alluding... In my mind, it was alluding to a... There's a mystical part of nature that the great owl and his infinite wisdom... Or I, don't, I don't want to say that, maybe that, that, but in his longevity and all the things he's seen and known has somewhat been able to type tap into based on his glowing eyes but it's not even close to whatever they did to the rats at nim at least to nicodemus in particular who must have had a magic serum uh separate serum he was able to he's been able to tap into it uh at a deeper level so i in a way it was almost in my mind, there was kind of. Uh, so I think we're on the same page for the most part on that. Yeah, one. like there's something in that nature. They're connected somehow. It's almost like, and this is a message that They've I think was lost. Yeah, it was lost in the in or it was added to this, but it's 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 the idea of uh, that the humans are mechanical and or you know they have they're scientific, and that nature. I don't know if it's because of it being nature or because they're still tapped into something ancient and older. You know, they they through nature there's there's a tap into a spiritual that that humans have lost and that through what happened to the the rats they're now able to even perhaps de- tap into this even deeper. Yeah, I think I think it really shows this idea of of like transcending to something greater yeah yeah which i think he read about it was kind of maybe well no he, he didn't say transcendence but he did say the spiritual the mystical yes yeah. and i i think it was just the movie's way of showing that that idea of becoming greater where the book does talk about it in a very intelligent sense the book the book hits more on the their their ad- surpassing humanity in an intellectual way whereas the movie hits on it in a they're surpassing humanity by tapping into something yeah, but there was a line in the book in that i thought was interesting that i think the movie kind of goes on a little bit mm-hmm. and it was this idea in the book where they say the world was created for mankind it's not created for us now that we are becoming equal to man in our thinking mm-hmm. and development and we think we're actually becoming greater in that than man. Like, what would our world look like? See, I, I, I there, the other caveat, the other kind of counter to that was we have the choice to make whether we want to become something greater. Because if we don't, and if we allow ourselves to make the same mistakes humans made, that's Jenner and his seven rats. Yes. Now we're in the same page. Okay. <laughs> see, and I liked that. Yeah. Because you see that struggle in the rats in the movie, where in, in the book they've overcome that struggle for the most part. Yeah. By separating and Jenner going his own way. Yeah. No, it, it is it is outlined a lot more dramatically in the movie, which works for the movie. 
I, I liked it. <laughs> I did too. I just it just felt like they had a real society, whereas in the book it just felt like a bunch of like labor workers. Which is real society though. I don't know. I like the I like this idea <laughs> in the movie you got like the open forum and you had the disagreement but they overcame it and they were still working towards a better society even though they didn't get along at first. I don't know. It just felt that felt more real to me whereas in the book it was Well, they had that but but it just they just never they they talk about it in the past. Yes, that's what it, I that's what I mean. That, that's yeah. what the book does. Whereas the movie puts it more in the spotlight. Yeah. I, that that's true. And that was what I found interesting in the book. Mm-hmm. And they and that's why I liked it in the movie because they focused on it. Mm. Okay, I I see that. So, I know you want to talk about Justin. Yes. The differences. Yes. So You really like Justin's character, huh? I did like Justin's character and I liked both versions. Uh You know what's funny is growing up, I loved Justin. Really? Yeah, I but I was like so into his character. I found him interesting. Mhm. I I loved his little um, shako, his hat that he wears mm. at the when you first see him when he's trying to blend in with the ten soldiers and stuff. Yeah, and I thought that was a very clever way of introducing his character in the movie, mm-hmm. because he comes up behind Mister Ages and he's being kind of joking and playful, and he covers his eyes and he says, "Reveal my name," and he's like, "Justin," <laughs> and he's and then he, and it's like that is how you introduce the character. Yeah, it, it's it's a fun way of being. Instead of saying, this is Justin, <laughs> I don't know. It, it worked well for introducing character and showing his characterization. Yeah. For the movie, yes. <laughs> but I think that's what I appreciate. In If you can argue in the book, they still felt a lot like rats to me. They They weren't really differentiated. They didn't have personalities for the most part. Whereas in the movie, you got a sense that they have now grown to a sense and have developed enough that they have maintained and and grown into their own. Do you understand? I yes, I I, I do understand. I I just I I don't I disagree. I mean, I disagree on, on the you know we, we I know we've, we've already discussed it. It's it's I see the artistic differences and I appreciate the artistic differences, but I appreciate what each of them was trying to do so the movie because granted for characterization purposes um i appreciated what what the don bluth and the rest did for the movie uh but i it to me it does not detract from the book what do you mean because it to me i appreciated the book for what it how it was written and for what what the message and what was trying to get across in the book like i didn't i like for instance if i had just the book and not the movie i would be able to appreciate the book for the book i wouldn't need advanced characterization to appreciate the message and the story and what was what was trying to get across by the author in the movie like i said it was it would it would not have worked and so I can appreciate the expansion of the the the, the uh, advance of characterization in the movie, because it's something that was needed for that medium in order to make it entertaining. And I guess in my mind, I would say just to keep people watching it. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, definitely, and it's it's, and I appreciate them for what each are. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so why did you like Justin in the book then? 
it was just he was to me that was probably one of the few in which he the author was able to show a different he, he like that was the one character where it was he he wasn't just a rat for me he was able to write that one quite a bit different than he was the rest of them and i yeah. I, I would argue nicodemus was as well but and, and, and like i, I maybe i read into it because like when i read arthur in the way he wrote arthur it wasn't greatly done i'll admit that it wasn't you know the the best characterizations of any at all, uh, at the, and remind at people all. who arthur is arthur was um one of the head engineer essentially of the the rat society and so there were there was even the way he you know there was a it was done very simplistically and minimally but i could still see arthur as the nerdy engineer on base two, on maybe one or two sentences that was given or something it was it's maybe i read into it but i could see him get excited when when at one point when they were talking about coming across i don't know if it was the tinker uh or something where he was oh we could do this and this and this so with just a couple lines i was able to read into their characters i feel like we read into this so differently <laughs> yes we did <laughs> you see the, what bothered me is if when i read the book justin felt like the real leader of the rats and nicodemus but, and they do kind of hit on that 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 he, you're right. I agree with that because when he was the first one to to leave his cage, read the 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 writing under the he's the instigator. Yes, and but he's the one with the ideas. And Nicodemus says the only reason they they yeah. saw him as the leader was because of Justin's youth. Yes. So it was he was became leader by default, but in many ways I felt like he he kind of leaned on Justin a lot, and Justin. But still, at the same time, Justin just deferred to his wisdom being the older uh, of the two. Yeah, it's really hard to look at this without thinking of the movie. <laughs> it's it's tough. It's tough when you grow up with, with an adaptation of a source material and then you go back to the source material. It's tough. Yeah. But at the same time, I do appreciate the movie version of Justin. I think they... He, they expounded on his his characterization very well and i and liked he always his felt gentlemanliness his yes. playfulness his mm-hmm. yeah it, it seemed Plantation. like it seemed like he he was playful when it called for it mm-hmm. and when he was comfortable when he, when he was close to the characters yeah and he was more formal and leader like mm-hmm. when he needed to be mm-hmm. and then by the end when the biggest probably one of the bigger changes between the book and the movie is Jenner has this plot to kill Nicodemus and make it look like an accident yeah. while they're moving Mrs. Brisby's house mm-hmm. with the kids still inside in the book. This is what I thought was weird. <laughs> okay. I'm going to pass. Sorry. I'm excited. <laughs> so in the book, they make a big deal about how they can't take Timmy out of the house. It, no, it is for too long. They, I feel like they made it so clear. If you take him out, you're running the risk that he is going to die. If, if you take him out and it's a cold night and it was a long journey, I don't know. It still bothered me. And that the other, the main thing was not so much even taking him out, but it was the fact that it was if they went to the summer house, the nights would be cold there. So the point wasn't him. See, I didn't see it. I didn't see it as as him going outside being the problem the problem was if they went to their summer home and it was still damp because it was by the river no i get that he would get sick it just the way it reads it sounds like if you let him out at all 
he runs the risk of getting sick again and dying. Once again, I think it was our different readings of it. I think, Maybe. Like, yeah. Either way, I got to that point when they're <laughs> moving the house in the book and all the kids leave and they bundle up Timmy and he's outside with them. And I was like, he's outside the house. <laughs> well, the, but she did say it's a it's going to be a warm night. So it's... I'm just saying that's how I came to that scene. I was... I was confused see now i i couldn't understand why they would keep the kids in the house while they're moving a cinder block and how it's like wouldn't you want them out because i i think the, the different one of the big differences too in the movie is the movie the house is a lot more adva- uh advanced if you will it's yes they have furniture and there is and... no it's not a cinder block they're moving an actual house yes and the i mean it is a cinder block but they've turned it into an actual house true but the there was wall like like because if that didn't make sense to me because they were moving like what made the walls why did the walls not fall off why did you know it just it just logistically did not make sense to me in the movie whereas in the book it was very we're moving the block from point a to point b we have to re-dig for them the tunnel we have to re-dig for them the pantry this is why you like lord of the rings yes it is because i like and this is why i did not like reading the books (laughs) Yes, and so... There the was... books were murder to get through. <laughs> I didn't finish the first one. There was a lot of logistical things that did not Let's make sense. talk about Tom Bombadil. <laughs> <laughs> when Tom Bombadil entered the, the Rats of Nim. <laughs> yeah, yes, that was the... Uh, that, that was, was the, the highlight. That was the MacGuffin of the books. Please, more Tom Bombadil. <laughs> That was something that he had a hard time explaining. No, yes, it was weird in the movie that the kids were still in the house. I could come up with reasons, and I have come up with reasons. <laughs> and I will I will give you that it is weird. It, it, it works for the dramatic purposes of them drowning in the mud yeah. later. But. Yeah, the thing I got out of it was that they were rushing and... They probably figured yeah. the safest place was them was inside. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. But the thing is, if if Jenner didn't have his plot and if it didn't fall, it would have been fine. Mm-hmm. They probably would have been a little roughed up, but that's it. Um, it served to add, add dramatic tension. It did. That's it really it, it did. was the whole, the whole point of the movie. I think was to put a lot of the changes in the movie. I should say was to add dramatic tension. Well, it was to add dramatic tension and then to highlight Mrs. Brisby's character growth. Yes. Yeah. Which went hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate it because it was knocking out two birds with one stone. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and so, so continuing on with, with Jer with, uh, not Jer, Justin, Justin. So there's the plot to kill. Nic- Nicodemus. Nicodemus. And so the this leads to the one of the biggest differences. The sword fight. The sword fight, but also there's Nicodemus. They actually do kill him. Yes. Die. Yes. And, and then Justin becomes the like official the, leader. The, the official leader, and he survives in the movie. Well, yes, but that's because the book has kind of like it's almost like an epilogue. It feels like mm-hmm. where in the book the people from Nim do come to the rose bush and they're trying to basically guess out the rats yeah. so, so real quickly before we go back to go to that part the the big difference i think which we've hit on is jenner was gone by the time of you know he's kind of a sub and possibly dead possibly dead you know he died while moving machinery i think with his seven the seven rats who left they were him. like electrocuted or something and that was done that was kind of outside of and the, they do the leave narrative. it open they they do say we don't know if that was them or not it could have been 
yes, something it's, else. It's one of the un un. We're left to believe Wait, it was there lightning. were things in the book that were never explained, like in the movie? <laughs> yes, I told you, those were the things I was like, <laughs> I know, hey, I'm just, I'd like to give so you a hassle. The, the, they move the cinder block pretty much with no issues. Oh, no, it goes so fast. Yes, the only issue was, was Mrs. Shrew protesting. But that's why it bothered me, because it, that was the build-up from the beginning of the book. That's why I saw it as... But, why I saw it as the sandwich thing. I really didn't care much about that storyline in the book. But if your argument is it's a sandwich, then this epilogue bit with the rats doesn't fit into that format. What do you mean? Because if your your thing is... Well, no, the sandwich was not so much the future. The sandwich was the story of how they got to be the rats and their journey and what happened with them. And her husband and what his I would say it's, like I, I think we should stop saying it's a sandwich so much as it's just two intertwined stories okay okay because I just feel like it doesn't work <laughs> as a sandwich I think as two separate stories that coincide I feel like that works better they just happen to to be in the same world see, I, and interact okay in my mind I still see it as bookends in my mind I, I, I you know, maybe we disagree on the terminology. But I think but I it would work that... that way if it started with Mrs. Brisby mm-hmm. or Frisbee in the book and it ended with her. It does end with her though. But it kinda doesn't. No, it does. It ends with her happy at the But it river. but a lot of the focus, the main focus is on her watching what happens to the rats. Like it's not following her anymore because her plot stuff's done. But I'm thinking of the epilogue. That's, but that's what I mean. Technically yeah. it's not an epilogue, it's just another chapter. Yeah. But in the book, the main conflict buildup is I need to save my family from the plow. That is the main conflict. And then the main conflict for the rats is we need to get out of here before Nim comes. But because the main buildup for like half the book is I need to move my family and save them, it feels like that main conflict should have been resolved and the book should end with her and moving on the family. But then there's this whole other like three chapters where it's like we need to watch, we need to talk about the logistics of how we're gonna leave pe- rats behind to look like they're normal rats, and then hopefully they get out in time and are not, not killed. Okay, so I can I can see I I see what you're saying. So yeah, I guess that that analogy is not the best one. So it it's okay. I, I agree. It, it's it's two two separate stories that intertwine. Yes. Okay, I get it. No, I agree. I agree with that. And so. Um, I'm, I'm, like I said before, I, I didn't, I was fine with that. (laughs) (laughs) It just, it just felt like an afterthought (laughs) to me. That's what it felt like to me. Yeah. I saw it differently. That's fine. So let's go back to the, (laughs) to the, uh, keep on calling him Jeremy, Justin. There's two J names in this. I know. And so with Justin, so the, the cinder block thing ends perfectly fine they end up going back and then it goes to what you were just talking about right now so he in the in the movie he ends it ends with him becoming the leader uh and they i actually can't remember now they get they leave before they destroy the rose bush yes you don't see it have the rose bush being destroyed in the movie how how does that it's it's actually escaping me right now i don't so the main thing in the movie Uh is in the book, they're going to leave for Thorn Valley anyways. Yes. It's just their timetable moved up. Okay. In the movie, it's the conflict of, are we going to stay here and keep leeching off the farmers, or are we going uh, to leave Jenny, to start our own society? Right. Yeah. 
and and when Mrs. Brisby comes and tells them, guys, Nim is coming. Mm-hmm. Jenner's like, why would we believe you? Like, how do we know this is true? Yeah. And he's like, we're not gonna go anywhere. Nicodemus is dead. We we can't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And he's just trying to stay. Like he doesn't want to go to Thorn Valley. Mm-hmm. And so the main conflict comes when Justin and Jenner two opposing views literally fight over this (laughs) and then when justin wins out he says we are going to thorn valley tonight and in part it's because they have to save themselves and nim is coming Mm -hmm. and it's and it's the solution it's the conclusion to that conflict of what will we do yeah like how will we live what will our society look like Mm -hmm. and it's essentially dramatizing what happened in the book but they glossed over okay with jenner and everything Mm -hmm. and um in the movie they they say they're gonna go and it kind of fast forwards to the next day after mrs brisby's collapse because she's exhausted herself from saving her kids and everything and it shows the farm in the panned out view and you can see a bunch of trucks had pulled up and it says nim on it and you know they were coming Mm -hmm. but you don't see anything they're doing because the focus goes over to mrs brisby Mm -hmm. and and jeremy shows the bird shows up and he starts talking to her about how he had brought a bunch of string that he was going to help her with but she's like oh you're late that was yesterday oh yeah i remember that scene and this is basically (laughs) the the resolution yeah part of the plot line and and all the kids are like, well, what happened to the rats? And they're like, well, they went off to Thorn Valley. And like, will we go to Thorn Valley? Well, maybe. <laughs> Sequel. Yeah. Well, it was. The, it's kind of like that moment in the book where they kind of talk about that a little bit. Yeah. And um, and then this is when Jeremy, um, in the book they do reference this how he 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 is kind of looking for a girl. And no, they, in the book he has one. It, well, it, it he doesn't say he has one. He just says he's interested in one. No, I don't have it marked. But that's how that's I read not something it. I read it. I read it as he has. Oh, you is is this for someone? That's how that's how I read yes, it. But like, it. Yes, but it is. Is she? Is it a she? And he's like, yes, it is. But I never felt like it was his girlfriend. I always thought it was like someone he was trying to woo. We really it, read two different books. But it we, doesn't outright tell you. No, it doesn't. But I I read it as yeah. it was the someone. movie took it as I want a girl. And I'm eventually, and I need to collect shiny things so that she's interested in me, Mm -hmm. essentially. And at the end, he realizes he doesn't need the shiny thing because he ends up finding a girl that is interested in him because they're similar. (laughs) They're both klutz. They're klutzes and and kind of (laughs) ditzy, um, but funny. Yeah. And so it it, it wraps up his story really quickly. Mm -hmm. And that's how the movie... I will say, I, I do... I did miss having less of him in the book. Yes. I did miss that. I kind of wish there was more of his character in the book. I I kind of appreciated that he was loyal to her in the Mm -hmm. book. But again, like a lot of the other characters, he just felt really flat to me. And it felt like he was just repeating himself. Mm -hmm. And maybe that was a point to differentiate him from the rats intelligent and stuff. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm reading into it too much. (laughs) But... I do like how they portrayed him in the movie. So we'll we'll go back to Justin. Yes. And, and I know we didn't talk about how he his story ends in the book. Yeah. And and to me, that was one of the... It was sad. It was sad. Well, the thing is, once again, it's one of the unknowns. But it so is sad still. It is. And so in the book, it ends with... Or 
if, unless you count the epilogue, which the I'm chapter, calling it an epilogue because it felt like an epilogue. Yeah, and so in the book, uh, Mrs. Mrs. Frisbee, Frisbee, she goes to watch the the rats to see what's going to happen. So you you get this from her perspective, and and so the trucks pull up. You don't know where they're from. First off, you never get the you never you kind of. I mean, you know, you know, because of the of the the doctor in charge, and and, and you know they were classes. warned, mm-hmm. but they they can never they never get to see the letters on it, on the truck, and they correct anything I get wrong on this one. I will. So <laughs> they get there, they bulldoze the rosebush, they see what they think is a the uh, it's escape like, like a rat nest, hole. yeah, and so they they get the cyanide. Uh, hose and they put it on the entrance and you find out that they were gonna the rats had made were gonna make a fake escape entrance because they had another one which they did they did and they had a the real exit was by some blackberry bush or something Something like like that yes and they shoot the gas in there and they're waiting for them to run out and she's watching from the top as there as eight rats escape from the 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 blackberry bush or whatever and she knows exactly how many are in there yeah and so she realizes only eight no no actually seven only seven come out right Some, yeah seven something come like out because there was ten total seven come out and she sees them waiting and, and she knows they're waiting for probably for the other three but they finally stop waiting for them and then they they have this complicated scheme of where they make it look like a whole horde of rats like they they, they run out they let the the workers see them. They run in a in a, what looks like kind of all over, and then she starts realizing there's a pattern to what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And then they run back to the forest, and then they come out again. They run out in a, in a pattern again. So this way, it looks like multiple rats are coming out of the hole when it was really just those seven. And then when they get the trap, the nets, and they're trying to catch, they start running to catch them. They run back to the forest and take off. She also noticed during this time one more that came out and collapses. And so she's waiting and she, to see if the other two uh, come out. They never come out. At this point, they realize, the, the, the doctor realizes, oh, they came out through another end, uh, another escape tunnel. And so he has them start digging. When they get down there, they find um, like a, the main hall. They turned it into, they, they got some trash over oh, while they were preparing their escape. Made it look like they were normal rats. Yeah, they made it look like they were normal rats. And they find the bodies of two of them that are there. She's never able to tell who they who they were, and then they fast forward to oh, because they take them away. Yeah, they they bag them and take them, and then she finally goes down to check out the the rat who collapsed, and she finds Mister Ages there, um, trying to get him to, to take some some uh, liquid, so she's able to to help Mister Ages prop his head up, let him swallow the the. Uh, the medicine. The medicine. And you find out it's Brutus, who I don't think we've actually mentioned his name yet. We we haven't. No. His he, his uh his short scene in the movie is very dramatized. Yes, and and he has a little more uh more uh scenes, I guess, in the book. Yeah, yeah he's referenced a lot more in the book. Yes. Yeah. So he's basically the muscle. <laughs> he, he's he's the bouncer. So he's the bouncer, both in the movie and in the book. Yes. And he just tells her that it was dark in there. The um. Let me see if I get this right. One of the rats, like he started running, he tripped over one of the rats, and then so another rat came, helped him up, helped pushed him to the exit. When they got to the the exit uh, entrance or or whatever, he pushes him through, 
to make sure he gets out, but then that rat returned back to help the rat that he had tripped over that had collapsed. From yeah, the gas. I believe that's correct. And so at that point, they don't know who they were, and she never does find out who who it was. Yeah, they, they, they insinuate kind of, it's Justin. They insinuate it was Justin based on on the um, heroicness of it. And when she's telling the story to the kids in the epilogue, they even the kids figure, well, it had to be Justin based on who he was as a hero. Yeah. On the heroes. I, I don't know. It's It was sad, but it also felt kind of unmerited to me because I just feel like you didn't really get... They build up Justin, mm-hmm. and in part because of the character Isabella, who's not in the movie, yeah. you very briefly see once in the library and she tells things to mrs frisbee that in the movie nicodemus tells her mm-hmm. and she has a crush on him that's very obvious and i think in part that helps you like justin mm-hmm. through her yeah just that likability essentially and i mean obviously you hear his whole history and stuff so you do root for him because mm-hmm. you know where he comes from but i don't know i think his the mystery of whether or not he died it just it it could have been more sad i suppose i feel like if i feel like she didn't really get to know him as much as she does in the movie yeah i saw it as kind of realistic like when you meet someone and you never know what's going to happen and sure <laughs> i just feel like the movie wasn't the sorry the book wasn't going for that sort of realism until that point that's what it felt like to me yeah yeah i mean but it's kind of like you know i hate saying this but it's kind of like when it's how it is in real life when you meet someone real briefly they have a small impact on you and you're kind of sad but you don't really know them enough to really grieve them that deeply sure you know i mean that's the reality of our world you know i mean unless you're a really really sensitive person <laughs> but most people i don't think i mean that's how most people i would argue where we are like and you know it's like we it, it's we feel bad but they weren't someone who we were close enough to fully mourn unless we were actively part of the tragedy or had some sort of deeper connection um i mean maybe, maybe sometimes i wonder how much of my my ex- my life experience <laughs> And age add to some of these things um the differences in the view of of characters and things so i mean to me that's where the kind of the realism of it seeped in versus the intertwining of the characters in the movie allowed for if he would have died in the movie it would have been a lot more tragic oh it would have been so sad yeah and versus kind of nicodemus's death in the movie was it was kind tragic, of tragic it was it was sad it, it i don't know i thought it was sad it was but it, it was. was it felt more like now the torch has passed yeah yeah it was handled very differently but because he dies and then it leaves that question of what will the rats do what sort of society will we become mm-hmm. it did make it interesting mm-hmm. and then when justin picks up that torch and then they persevere that's what made it interesting yeah it was very much two different stories. It was two different stories that have the same premise. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think I think <laughs> I think the movie 
does a great job adapting it. I don't know if you could have as an interesting movie without some of those changes. Agreed. I, I as much as I like the book, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Again, I think they're try- I think they focus on two different things. Mm-hmm. And yes, the movie does add things that are not in the book, and focuses on things that w- they do different things. <laughs> Once again, I can appreciate. I can appreciate appreciate each one of them for what they were and for how they and what they try to do what they try to do now i mean i think and i think we both established which of the two which one of the two is our favorites <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> which one is your favorite the my favorite was the live action movie oh yeah i heard that they're thinking about doing that which makes no sense <laughs> to me no, actually, uh, what I read was they... Are... It's like that stupid live-action Lion King. It's not live-action if it's CGI. Yes. It, it's So they're they're planning to do a TV mini-series or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I, I saw that. Yeah, I don't... You know it's going to be for kids, though. Uh, it, it, yeah, who knows? It's probably going to be stupid. <laughs> it probably will. <laughs> Because once again, I I can't see the book being adapted directly in it working. No, no, no. I I agree with you on that one. So the movie, the movie worked for what they were for the messages they were trying to get across. So I think the best way, <laughs> the best way I can describe it is the book is very scientific. The movie is philosophical. Argue me. <laughs> I, 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 I can. I will say. I'm trying to think because I, I, I felt the book was very scientific with its own philosophy in it. But I think I'm trying to think if it was more scientific, philosophical versus. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, versus metaphysical, philosophical. Yes, and I think, I think the movie is not existential, but it, it is. It it does ask these philosophical questions about like what what are who are we? Oh, definitely, and... because the the movie the mo- the the book does hit those questions, but it hits them more from a sociological right. Yes, yes, very much. Um, yeah, no. So it, it does it, it it would be a a sociological versus metaphysical uh, differentiation. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think yeah, that was got through <laughs> both of them. <laughs> I did. I think that took a lot. So Justin was your favorite character then, huh? In because of the lack of characterization in the book. Oh, so you admit it? I I did admit it a couple times. I think it's he was my favorite in the book. Oh, he was your favorite in the book. In the book, but not in the movie. In the movie, I did like Mrs. Brisby. Mm -hmm. She's just so compelling in it. Yes, I I, I like her. her voice acting. I really like the voice acting too. Yeah, she did a great job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so because of the lack of characterization in the book, it would have to be Justin. It's funny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and for you, there was no favorite. In the movie, in the it was Justin, <laughs> but not in the book. <laughs> was there anyone in the book? It's not. It's, I didn't hate the book. The book was fine. <laughs> I mean, I clearly love the movie more. Yes. There was just nobody who really stood out in the book for me. That's fair. I, I, I can see that. I can get, I, Like I said, for me, they felt very flat. Mm-hmm. So 
I loved the shrew in the book. <laughs> I thought she was random and she was funny. <laughs> there you go. Okay, that works. All right, is there anything else? No, no. I think I think we've covered it all. Exhausted this one. I think we dif- I think we disagreed enough that this was a very long episode. Yes, it was. But it was fun. I enjoyed it. I think I look I forward too. to disagreeing with you in the future. <laughs> yeah we'll see what what the next and if anybody else has thoughts on this i'm sure you can let us know as as you've listened to this if you have any disagreements or any additional thoughts or anything you feel we didn't cover yes please tell us how we're wrong (laughs) please feel free to email us if you can find a way where we can both be wrong that would be great (laughs) that's not possible only one of us has to be right and i know it's me most of the time so is it No, definitely. If you have anything uh, you can add to this or anything you see differently than us, feel free to write us at our email, which will be in Send the... us a postcard. <laughs> that would be cool, too. We get a postcard, but we don't have a post office box yet. So. And, and if you if you'd like more information on this subject, look, look go to your local library. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember the... <laughs> yes, actually, now that you say that, I do remember that. I might start adding that as our... As our Visit your local library. All right, well, we thank you for joining us on this uh, journey with uh, Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats and Nim, or... This podcast has been brought to viewers like you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So, we look forward... No, this was a good one. I liked this. It was. Thank you for joining us. Uh, We hope you join us. Uh, We hope you enjoyed it, too. I know we have something... We have a few special surprises coming up. We do. We will be bouncing around. Yes. We do have some, some more tougher classic literature subject matter coming up and we do have some more really simple kid stuff again yes for yes but you know what i thought this book would be really simple and then it wasn't i actually i'm thinking i wonder if we can get at least a half hour out of this (laughs) yeah when i bought when i bought it i was like i'm really gonna talk about the movie more than the book (laughs) i think we and it was like two hours on the book so (laughs) surprisingly so all right well thank you for joining us and thank you hopefully he'll stick around all right have a good night have a good night Thank you for listening to our podcast, Willing to Adapt. Please like and subscribe. Maybe leave a review or just share us with friends and family. We would also love if you would follow us on social media. If you have ideas for future episodes for us, please email us at ericandromi at willingtoadapt.com. That's Romy with an I. And remember, when the only thing constant in life is change, be willing to adapt. adapt.